Today's scripture reading comes from Acts 14, 19-28. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having pursued the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derb. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. This is God's word. Praise the Lord. Thanks, sis. Hey, let's all pray together, and then we'll we'll sit down. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for for not leaving us um, without instruction, but being so clear, giving us the Holy Scriptures, giving us the Holy Spirit. Uh, You've just been good. You've been so clear, giving us creation. Uh, Just all these markers, Lord. And I think we are blown away that... um, you give us revelation to, uh, to allow us to see these markers and not just kind of go through life blind. And so I pray that you would give us the strength right now um, to be seeing clearly, uh, to be enjoying what you have in store for us. And I pray that you would use me, Jesus, that you would speak through me, uh, that you would be ve- just very gracious in that way, Lord, and allow uh, me to be faithful to your word, to what you want to communicate to your sheep. <clears throat> Thank you that you truly are. Uh, the lead pastor, and so we trust you, Lord, and we submit to you, um, we submit to your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated, guys. Um, we're in Acts right now. We've been in Acts for some time. If you don't Bibles, you can raise your hand, and my man, uh, I got actually, Jenny will be passing those out to you. Some, just some few ground rules <clears throat> is... Um, you can ask questions, okay? We want you to really not, we want you not just to learn, but we want you to be uh, growing. And if there's some questions that, you know, if things I'm saying are unclear, we want to make them clear for you. We do ask that you would uh, think about if it can really bless the whole body or if it's just something you can ask me afterwards, that'd be great. If you need Bibles, there's Jenny, you can raise your hand. All right, hard behind that is we want you to either bring your Bibles, if you have them at home, or uh, grab one here uh, so that you're getting used to navigating through the text. If you need a Bible at your house and you don't have one, talk to us. We'd love to hook you up. Um, we want everyone to have the scriptures uh, to be able to be growing and understanding who God is and what he says about you and his world. So uh, please let us know. <clears throat> but we'd love for you to continue to be learning how to study the Bible. <clears throat> so um, wherever you are, um, you will be able to be equipped. Okay, guys? Um, in Acts, we've, uh, we've made it through our halfway point. We're, we're bumping along, and, and I'm excited. just feel like we're growing and learning about what God was doing uh, as he created uh, this, as it were, this new people of God. And um, just to give you a little snapshot, I think we have a little um, timeline there. 
Uh, we just give you a, a brief snapshot. We, we saw Jesus you know, in the beginning basically rising from uh, the dead and ascending into heaven, uh, basically uh, t- giving a commission of what he wanted his people to be about. They got all excited. Yo, Jesus is real. He's back. We're going to run things. He's like, hold up. Here's my mission. Gives them the mission for you to make me known uh, to all the nations. Don't do it on your own strength. I want to empower you with the Holy Spirit, right? He gives them the Holy Spirit. Um, Awesome things begin to happen. You get Peter healing a lame man. Um, The church begins to grow. Persecution hits the church. Stephen gets killed as one of the first martyrs. Uh, We begin to see uh, as as he's killed, there's more persecution in the church. We see this Saul guy who's this this prominent Pharisee. He's kind of sitting there watching Stephen get killed. Some would say he even ordered the execution. Uh, That's that's sort of my conviction. Uh, But we see this guy persecuting Christians as well. Uh, God is gracious to allow uh, this guy to actually encounter Christ. God doesn't kill him on the spot, you know, which is what many of us would have done. Say, oh, you mess with my people, I'm going to kill you. He doesn't. God has bigger plans. He's much smarter than us. He's much wiser, and he's much more merciful. And so he saves Saul. Saul becomes Paul. Uh, he saves him on Damascus, and then we see a little commercial happens where we get Peter, uh, raises an individual from the dead. So we're seeing God do all these things in the local church. Um, what happens as they continue on, uh, there's more persecution. King Herod comes along, kills James. We looked at that in the scripture. Um, Peter preaching the gospel, same guy who was a wimp, denied Jesus three times, was running. He's now preaching the gospel numerous times in the scriptures. He's healing people now in Acts. And here again, um, he's in prison. I think he should have been dead along with James. He doesn't die. Angel supernaturally saves his brother. Right. So we're seeing awesome things happen um, in the book. And then we're introducing to Paul's missionary journey as he is now preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. So we're seeing the church be birthed by Christ. Christ equips the church in his power. The church begins to grow within the Jews. Persecution hits the church. Church spreads. That's Jesus sovereign plan so that actually everybody could hear the gospel because that's what he wanted from the jump street. Right. And so then all the Gentiles actually begin to hear the gospel because he begins to send his people to the Gentiles. Isn't that awesome? Aren't we just seeing, just seeing God, redemptive, beautiful plan? Doesn't this make you just excited of the fact that when we wake up every day, and some of us, you know, we get to hustle, we go to work, we do soccer, we do our, we have our kind of our, our normal routine, right? And you can kind of think like, okay, like, this is my life, I got to just push through this. But I want you to understand, even your normal routine, God is doing some things. That, that, that life is about his plan and his purposes. And so even as I look at this story, this is like awesome, right? This is great TV movie stuff. Right. But at the same time, I want you to understand, like, this is happening in all of our lives. And I'm praying that God would allow us to see that and allow us to see what he wants us to be about. And hopefully even this passage would help us toward that end. So that's where we where we've been. We're looking at Paul's first missionary journey. And here we are in Acts 14 uh, to kind of put like a microscope on that a little bit. And we're looking at verse 19. Okay, and what's happening in a nutshell in Galatians I'm sorry, in, in, in Acts 14, it's kind of a Galatian tour. In fact, I believe that this, is, this context of what we're talking about is what motivated and is where actually Paul began to write the book of Galatians. So we'll get into that in a moment. So he's doing kind of this Galatian tour. And I want to say to you, just to give it away a little bit, what I'm blown about, as far as blown away about in this passage, is uh, the continual sense of persistence and perseverance. And how... And how by God's grace, when he fuels us with that, it's amazing what the Lord would allow us to do. 
And so I've just been praying for our local body this week, man. I've just been preparing for this talk, praying for my family, my wife, myself. That, Lord, would you give us a joy with perseverance and persistence, right, for the gospel. Look what happens here, guys. All right, so you know where we are, right? I caught us up. If you, if you, if you don't know, you've got a little work to do. You've got to look at about a, a year of sermons online and go ahead and go through those, you know, just like you would do Netflix and you know you watch all some seasons and spend a whole weekend. Do that with our, with our sermons, all right? Just spend your whole weekend. Just keep listening to them. Just listen to one after another, okay, guys? And have some juice, you know. Go for it. All right, you get, to, you get to Acts 14, I try to give you a snapshot. We're in verse 19. Look what's happening here. Um, we've just looked at last week. They're preaching the gospel. They come to these, these guys who don't know Jesus at all. Uh, they begin to see the supernatural work of Paul and, and Barnabas, and they start, they start trying to exalt them. Right, that's what we see. And they, they want to lift them up. They say, don't lift us up. We're just men like you. We've come to tell you the good news that, you know, those guys you're trying to serve, actually, they're created things. They're fake. Don't serve them. Serve the risen Savior. Okay, serve Yahweh. And guess what? Yahweh is revealed through Jesus Christ, his son. Serve Jesus Christ. What he's done is he's died for you because you're a sinner. You need Christ. Obviously, you can see your sin. Look at you worshiping things that were created. That's bizarre. That's weird. You need Christ. He wants you to repent of your sin, realizing you need him, right? And then what he does is he's offer you forgiveness, right? And then what happens is as you are offered forgiveness, he not only forgives you, then he makes you righteous. So this all happens by faith. This is what I want you guys to do. So they preach the gospel. They're blown away. Look what happens here. <laughs> it says, you would think they saw them do these awesome things. Don't, don't think I'm Zeus. Don't think I'm Hermes. Realize that I'm a man who's telling you about actually the true risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And look what happens here, verse 19. It says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. Now, where, did, where have we seen Antioch and Iconium? What was happening back then? Remember, those are, those are people that just get, they got an argument a couple, chap, I mean, a couple of verses back. Remember, guys? They were in uh, Iconium, and remember, they got into an argument, and they fled the city. Okay, guys? All right, now, I want you to do your homework now. Make sure you're reading through. Okay, so that's what happened, right? We just read, so we looked through that. So these guys, so I don't know, and we had some good word from uh, some people in our small group. I know Sarah was like, were they following them? Like, what was going on here? You know, because this is kind of bizarre, right? They're doing these works. These guys come over and say, no, man, they're they making y'all look stupid, telling you guys you're serving fake stuff. What's up? You know, and, and they get them inside. And who knows what the commentary was? But for whatever reason, these guys kind of, Turn against him. And what does it say in the scriptures? It says they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. In history, y'all, this is what happened. And I'm wondering, you know, when you look at uh, 2 Corinthians, you can write the address down. 2 Corinthians, I think, chapter 11, uh, <clears throat> I mean, 20s, uh, 25. Uh, this is where he talks about, you know, I've been, I've been shipwrecked. I've been this. I've been that. I've been stoned. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the, because he says, well, I think this is the time he's talking about. I remember the time they hit me that brick. Right? I think he's talking about this time. But you know, you know what's blown, what blows me away here? A couple of things. First, um, they beat him so bad. If you look at the text here, it's not like they beat him and then they dragged him out of the city and thought he was dead. It's almost like they thought he was dead, so they dragged him out of the city. Right? So how bad do you have to beat somebody to think they're dead? And then you drag them out. So... So you drag them out, and you still think they're dead. So that means there must have been a lot of flinching, right? No, well, none of that, right? So I'm perceiving the brother's passed out. He's been beaten pretty bad. And you know what else I think? I'm going, where is Barnabas? 
Have you thought about that? See, I grew up, you know, I grew up in the hood. So, like, you get, your two brothers get into a fight, we both better be beat up. So, but where's Barnabas? I mean, it's, it's kind of bizarre. I mean, did Barnabas run? I don't think Barnabas ran because we have lesser you know, situations than this where Paul is very serious about individuals who desert. And so I don't think that was the case. I wonder if they just focused on Paul because he was the one running his mouth the most. And, and it kind of beat Paul up. Uh, and if for some reason Barnabas is not in the picture, but we see Barnabas will get back in the picture um, right after. We'll see that in a moment. But I was just thinking to myself, like, what does it look like? How serious did you have to beat someone for them to be laid for dead? How messed up had Paul had to be? I'm harping on that because, okay, how many of you guys have ever been beat up? I'm the only one has been beat up, huh? All y'all so tough. Okay. Or maybe you've never been in fights. Okay. Get beat up to the point where, you, where a person thinks you're dead. I'm just saying he had to be in excruciating pain. Things that had to happen that was crazy. Maybe they just got one nice brick and it knocked him out. Who knows? But I'm perceiving that they, they put on him pretty bad, okay? But look at verse 20. I bring that up for, for this in a moment. Look at this. It says in verse 20, But after the disciples had gathered around him. So, so they, they drag him out the city. They beat him down. They drag him out of the city. Just picture this. This is happening in history now. They laid a dude on the ground. Boom. They just drop him. So I'm sure when they dropped him, all his limbs just fell out. Like there was no movement. They thought he was dead. Okay. And then his people come around. Right. And they kind of just like, it looks like they just gather around him. So I'm wondering if they're thinking, is he really dead? Who knows? But look at this. It says in the scripture, <laughs> he got up. And went back into the city. He got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. So I don't know if Barnabas came up like, man, you all right? Like, yeah, man, I'm sorry, man. You know, I was praying for you, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, man, I was seeking the Lord, man. And I think the Lord saved you. You're still alive. You know, that was, I pray for you. Now, I don't know. I don't know how Barnabas got out of this one, y'all. But Barnabas shows up. The disciples shows up. They're not beat up. Paul, the only one almost died, but I'm blown away, guys. I'm, I'm blown away at, at this time. This guy gets back up, and he goes right back into the city, the scriptures say. Have you thought about that? Right after he's just been beat down for dead. And then it says in the scriptures here, the next day, okay, he just got beat down, left for dead. The next day, it says that then he takes a 30-mile journey to Derby to preach the gospel. What does it say? To do what? Verse 21. Look what it says. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. You see that? They just kept preaching the gospel. I mean, it just seems like there was no time for a pity party. I just, I'm just trying to put myself in those shoes. How do you do that? Can you really do that in your own strength? I don't think you can. I sat there and just thought, man, the Holy Spirit's grace had to be upon him to the point where he, was, he had such tenacity about, the, about what God wanted him to be about, the mission of Christ, about proclaiming the gospel to the nations, that no matter what it took, he was going to do it, even if it took his life. And then I'm imagining this guy still bruised, hurt. The next day, says he goes and travels. He ain't got no Cadillac, right? He's traveling 30 miles in the first century to preach the gospel to another place. Is that persistence? Is that perseverance? We don't, know what the, we don't know what the commentary was. We don't know if he was grumbling or not, but what we do know is this man was being obedient. 
He gave him a task, Jesus did, and it seemed like there was something about him, the resolve about him to say, I wanna, I'm going to complete this task no matter what it takes. Can I talk about the character, per, just let me talk about the character of perseverance and persistence just for a little bit, because I, I just think um, it's huge, especially in our community. I mean, I just, I'm just thinking to myself like, okay, and I might tell them a few of you guys too, right? I just want to just, uh, just, just, just what I've seen in our local body. Because I feel like this is an area where I, I, I feel like God has given us a lot of grace in. I've seen you guys come here. I just think of, of you know, I even think of when Lena and I first moved here. And um, uh, sis, you were pregnant. All right. And, um, and I remember uh, sis was living, I forget, one of our friends somewhere. When we just bought this house. And the house was jacked up, and, and we, we, we didn't know as many people as we do now. Um, so we had some help. But, man, I remember, uh, I remember Leon just spending, like, night in and night out trying to fix up this house. Uh, sometimes I remember we did the, the, the installation to 4 or 5 in the morning. And, and I just remember just thinking, I mean, I, I was sitting here writing, and I was thinking, I have those kind of stories with many people in this room. I can tell you stories about the odds in their journey. I can tell you stories about the roars in their journey. I can tell you stories about the Eggers in their journey. I can tell you stories about Ted. I've seen this body have things happen to them and it hit them. It hits them hard and it hurts. And man, by God's grace, the Lord allows you to keep on keeping on. And for what? Pause now. Why? Do you think it was really so you could have a nice house? Why do you think you persevered? Why do you think you fought hard to be in this community? I want to propose to you because of Christ. Because you want Christ to be known. And the trick of Satan is for us to forget that. It's for us to forget that's why we fought. That's why we fight. It's because we want people to hear about Jesus. And to say, man, I I want your God to be my God. And so I just want to encourage you. I mean, look at the demurs. I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, just watching their journey with their home. And just watching you guys fight. I'm proud of you. I thank God I get to lock arms with you. I just pray we keep on keeping on. But here's the thing about, about perseverance and, per, and persistence, guys. Satan wants to, and, and this is what I've seen also in my eight short years here, Satan will use these obstacles. And at first, we'll get over them, but they, they, they wear and tear. And he's, he's patient. He'll keep putting another obstacle in your way and another obstacle and I want to encourage you, it's only when I, I look at his text here and I look at Paul's life as I've read through Acts many times. And it seems like when he had obstacles, he saw all the obstacles as opportunities to exalt Christ. He saw every obstacle like, oh, this is another opportunity where I get to talk about God's goodness. I get to talk about what God is going to do here. I get to talk about what God did in me in this situation. It seems like every obstacle becomes an opportunity. And the trick of Satan is when we make obstacles just an obstacle. Let me get past this obstacle. And we forget the bigger picture of a sovereign God who's doing something for his purposes and his glory. See, I'm convinced that he didn't just go to Derby and just preach the, the gospel like we do with our, with our, you know, with our four laws or whatever. I'm, I'm convinced this. He talked about what happened. I'm convinced he talked and he shared the goodness of Christ. You think they didn't ask questions? Man, you got a huge knot on your head. Like, what are you talking about, bro? You don't think he just, you thought he just looked the same? You don't think there were some rips in his clothes? 
This is in history, God. This happened. This man was beat up. And the next day, he traveled to preach the gospel more. Beat up to the point where he was dead. Almost, they thought he was dead. I'm convinced. He just thought, like, man, you know what? This is a great opportunity, man. I get to tell people, hey, it's hard out there. We're going to see it in a minute. Look what he says. Look, look at how he talks to the people. Look how he encourages the people. So I just want to encourage you guys, as I think of all of our bodies, I think of the grace that God has given us. I want to encourage you to, man, just allow these obstacles, the things that happen in our community, such spiritual warfare and spiritual battle. There's so many reasons to pack it up and say, man, this is crazy. You, you want to talk about people with car issues? The Gulchers, Right? I mean, God in an accident, can I just put it on blast? Can I just talk about God's goodness, though? God in an accident, right after that accident, got the car fixed. And was it the next day somebody hit you? The next day, somebody hit him. Got that fixed. Had drama trying to get a car. Last week, a tree trunk thingy falls through his back windshield. That's not to mention being in a whole new hood. They're from Florida, y'all. All right? Now they're on Van Dyke. You know what I'm saying? Being in a new hood, you're sitting there teaching, trying to be faithful. Here, we're going to give you 14 more students. See? How, the trick of Satan, what he, he wants you to see those. is like, wear and tear. Wear and tear. Okay, that didn't get you. Oh, you still fight? Okay, wear and tear. Wear and tear. I'll keep putting it on. I'll give you a new job where you'll be paving the way. <laughs> And it gets hard. And then you're thinking, I'm trying to do this faithfully, and maybe you get a weird coworker. I don't even know your situation. But I know one thing. I know Satan's out to destroy each one of us. And I know he's looking at each one of your journeys, and he's saying, how can I just keep putting it on them? Where they kind of say, opportunity, opportunity, obstacle, obstacle, obstacle. Man. Be encouraged. This dude was left for dead. And he got up the same day and went back in the city. The same day. What would you think the other disciples said? You think they was like, yeah, Paul, let's go get him, man. You think that's what he said? I know they didn't. You know why? Because they were still alive sitting next to him. You all right, Paul? You want some water, Paul? Uh, yeah. Right? Thomas, get out the trees. Come here, man. Right? They gone, Right? I guarantee you, he led that charge. I guarantee you that ministered to the saints. They thought, oh my goodness. The very one who should be saying, let's go, went back. Be encouraged, guys. Love you. Love what the Lord is doing in this body. I just pray for our body. I pray we have such a a gospel edge to ourselves, Man, where we're just tenacious about inviting and proclaiming and finding opportunity to teach and preach Christ. Look what happens. It says... I love this. So they preach. They go 30 miles and preach, right? Remember, you got a missionary journey that I showed you guys? Well, they go 30 miles and preach, right? Which people get saved, come to Christ, which is awesome, right? So they're still getting received. And then, look at these nut balls. This is blowing me away. Look at this. The scriptures say, then they return to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Now, isn't that cool? Now, let me ask you. They go back and they retrace their steps. Why? I mean, think about it. What happened in all those places? Drama in every place. 
right? They got chased out of one, got beat down in another, right? And they retraced their steps. Now, guess what? When you look at the map, they could have very well just said, we was going, okay, we preach the gospel, praise the Lord. We're going to go back to Antioch now and hang out. Did they have to go back through those cities? Why did they do it? Look at why they did it. Look at their goal. This blows me away. It says, strengthening the disciples. <laughs> this blows me away. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And then he says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That's what they said. So why did he, why did he go back? For follow-up. They risked their life for follow-up. For follow-up, y'all. You, you, you know, in, in, in the flesh, you go, okay, okay, you, you know, they've never heard the gospel. You want to preach the gospel? Okay, praise the Lord. You, you know, mm, I get it. I'd be scared, but you go and, yeah, you got to tell the gospel no matter what. They already heard the gospel. A lot of these people are already saved. But you see, they saw it as so important to not leave baby Christians malnourished that they were willing to sacrifice their life, their life for discipleship, for follow-up. But follow up, guys. Now, don't get me wrong. Some theologians will say that maybe the guard had changed, right? The, the, basic, the people who were in power at that time now had changed. Because, you know, your duration for the whole missionary journey is between one and two years. But here's my issue. It wasn't the king and people trying to beat him down. This was like regular folk. You know what I'm saying? So did they all? I don't think they all died off. Right? So, I mean, you go back into the city. I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure, you know, Timmy and them still over there. Right? They, they do this for follow-up, guys. To, to, they saw it as so important for people to be equipped and walk in Christ. I just think unbelievable that they were willing to retrace their steps. Now, let's look at, at what they do. I think that is absolutely crazy. And I hope that even encourages us when we think about the importance of we preach the gospel and then we see it as extremely important for people to be growing in their faith and to be in the discipleship and be growing intentionally. Formation. And these guys saw that. They go, and look what they do. So they can tell them anything. You can, they can, and, and, and Luke, look what Luke does. Now, he taught them a lot now, right? He taught them a lot. Look what Luke says. Okay, so he, he says that they went strengthening them. And I want to talk about, basically, I want to talk about what does strengthening look like. Looks, what does it look like? And let's look at how Luke talks about it. Literally, the word means to be strengthened up, Right? So the picture is like um, you prop, you're propping something up for support. The word is to strengthen up. So it's like, to, it's like he, went, he went back to these people to prop them up. Okay, is that, that's kind of the picture. Now, the question is, how did he prop them up? How was he trying to strengthen these guys? And look what the scriptures tell us. I want to propose to you there's two things that he does. Okay, first... He props them up by saying he wanted them to remain true in the faith, right? So he gives them a quote. He says, and I love this. He says, I want you to remain true in the faith. And look what he does. He quotes, he, and then Luke gives you a quote of like what that looks like. So that's called, you know, in, in grammar, uh, right, apposition, right? So he says the same thing in a, in a different way. So he, he says, I, I, Paul was going to strengthen them in the faith. This is what he does. How he strengthens them in the faith. Basically saying, um, he's like, man, this is Luke talking. Man, he said to us things like, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So, so this is how he strengthened them in their faith, right? He goes to them and he says, guess what? This is going to be hard. <laughs> I want to let you know this is going to be difficult. 
Now, before I get into, let me unpack that. I want to unpack that in a moment, but I want to talk about first how he says it, and then I'll talk about what he says, okay? Now, look what he says. Some of your Bibles, it uses the word encouraging. So we're talking about how he says it, okay? Uh, I want to propose to you that the word that, that, that brings kind of the most meaning and some of your Bibles you have it actually is exhortation. Okay? So this is how he says it. Okay? And he says, I want, you know, we encourage, I encourage the people. That's how he did it. Well, how? Through exhortation. Why is that important? Here's important. Here's why it's important. Because in our world, exhortation is frowned upon. Okay? And our culture is frowned upon. Here's why. Because our culture is okay with you giving them facts. All right? So the reason why we're okay with you giving them facts is because you tell me your fact and just how weird we are in our culture today. And if I don't like it, right, I'll just disagree or I'll make up my own reality. That's what people do all the time, right? You just make up your own reality. And you're like, that's not even true. Well, I believe it. Oh, okay. Right. Now, the difference between fact-giving and exhortation is that exhortation, the nucleus of exhortation, is that it moves you in light of the facts. See, exhortation is not only I give you the facts, but I push you toward them. Yeah. Right? Now think about our culture. Do we like that? Absolutely not. We don't want like telling us what to do. We don't want someone saying that's the fact, so here's what you need to do. But I want to propose to you that's the scriptures. That's, that's the epistles. We, if, you've ever, if you read the scriptures, what you always see is you see uh, indicatives and imperatives, right? You see facts given, okay? And then you see commands being based on the facts. That's, that's basically Paul's epistles, right? Here's who Christ is. Therefore, right, you need to do this. Be like this, right? So the world tells you, man, don't be telling me what to do. Now, I bring this up because in our culture and even in the church culture, this is hard for us. For someone to actually say, hey, here's what the Bible says, so here's what I'm asking you to do. And I'm going to propose to you, this is the role that God has given me as your pastor. Okay? That, that the reason why I don't just give you facts is because I would be an unfaithful pastor to you. That's not my role. My role is not to just sit here, give you the facts, and hope you decide. That's not my role. My role is to push you toward the facts. See the difference? So when I'm pushing you toward the facts, just remember, I'm trying to be biblical. All right? I want to be gracious, but I want to propose to you that's what it means. So that's kind of how he says it, right? Now look what he does, though. Look at what he says. He gives them... He gives them a dose of what, what um, and we've been reading this in my house. Um, there's been a couple of cool blogs about this. Uh, the term is kind of the theology or the doctrine of unfulfillment. Um, have, you, have you guys heard of that at all? Yeah. <clears throat> look, what, look what he does here. He starts by just basically saying, hey, this is going to be really difficult. Right? And I bring it up because our culture again, and this is, it says what? What does our culture say? Our culture says, hey, Go through life, and this is hard for us. Go through life, and whatever's your passion, go for it. Whatever you like, you know, do what you like, right? If you feel that, you need to go for that, right? If, that, if that's the way you, you're wired, all right, then do it, right? So if you just feel like, you know, same gender attraction, hey, man, this is how, hey, you know, this is how it got to be, right, right? So our culture tells us, hey, look at who you are. 
Not to mention we're in a fallen world, so who you are is marred. And go for it. But I want to propose to you that that has actually entered into our local churches. Right? That's how we decide how we're going to even interact with the church. Right? We, do we say, wow, hey, cool church, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Um, uh, my name's Eric, and where are the holes in your church? And let me, can I help you stick my thumb in there? Can I, can I be a resource? Show me where things are hurting. Show me where I can add value and allow me to help you add value there. Is that how we usually come to the local body? Do we come saying, man, what's needed here? What's needed? Just, you guys know what's up. What's needed? Let me come and help. Or do we come saying, yep, yep, here's my passion. And that's all I'm going to do. Now, I'm going to get in trouble here, but I'm trying to keep it real. Right? Is that how we roll? Here's what I, I want to propose to you. I advocate passions. I advocate gospel-centered desires. I want you to be understanding how the Lord has wired you. What I am saying is there's something in the scriptures that talks about you and I going through life and basically having some unfulfillment. That, that being a Christian does not mean you now as a Christian are going to just be fulfilled. Moses says in Hebrews 11, man, I forsake the momentary pleasures, right, of being of royalty, right, for the future glory of Christ, basically, Right. The whole the, the, the gospels and the epistles are chock full of the reality that man, God is saying, forsake those momentary desires and pleasures for the greater good of the kingdom, whatever that may be. That could be in service. That could be in, in holiness. Right. That could be in a whole gamut of things. Look what the scriptures say. Look at a couple of scriptures. Romans eight twenty three. And not only for the creation. We read the scriptures all the time. This is talking about the reality that, man, we're waiting for something. Right? If God said and wanted you to be able to be totally fulfilled right now, then why do you need Christ? Look what it says. But we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit grow inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of the Son, the redemption of our bodies. Second Corinthians says, for in this light momentary affliction, which is very interesting that he would say like that, because this dude took it. Okay? It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's what this, that's, I want to propose, I just gave you these two scriptures. Do a study on this, and you'll see it's kind of the modus operandi of the Bible, of this sense of the people of God being able to trust Christ no matter what, realizing that one day God is the fulfillment. All right? Now, why do I bring that up right now? Because I'm proposing to you as he's talking to these guys, he's coming from that posture. He's saying, hey, this is going to be hard. Life's going to be difficult. Go back to the text there. You see what he says? He says, remain true. Stay, stay firm. Because we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That doesn't sound like a super fun life. This gets us really nervous. Think about it. These are the new believers he's talking to. And Luke wants us to see. He could have, Luke could have wrote a lot of cool things he said down too. I'm sure he said some encouraging things. But Luke wanted you and I. He said, well, what's, what's, what's one sentence I can remind the people of God as, as I write the, this, this text here that's going to be in the Bible. This is the Holy Spirit. And he writes, hey, this is going to be hard. It's going to be really difficult. 
And I'm proposing to you that Luke, over and over again, what he's doing is he's trying to show all of our patriarchs and all those people who are awesome and that we just think are great. He's showing us all that all of them consistently had to go the way of the cross. This is so, we get very nervous about this. But guys, you know, this is thoroughly biblical. The way of the cross seems to be the path for the believer. Now, he says that, look at the second thing here. And I'm, I'm going to bring it all together. Verse 23, it says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders. It's the second thing he did. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each of the church, in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So what does he do? He first encourages them that, guys, this is going to be difficult. We need to build a healthy theology of unfulfillment. And I propose to you, I think this is what makes it hard, even in our community and for churches around to, um, me and Sarah, I've been talking about this, so this is kind of new in my, in, my, in my journey. But I think there's something about this as we talk about same-gender attraction, as we talk about ministering to people across difference. I think what happens is when we don't have a healthy theology of unfulfillment, and what I mean by that is not that you're supposed to live a miserable life. Don't get that twisted. You know I'll, I'll teach next week that you're supposed to be able to enjoy everything. Y'all know I'm crazy, right? And you know that's biblical, okay? What I am saying is there's Christian balance, and that God is saying that there is something very healthy about us understanding that many of us might have to forsake some stuff for the greater good of the kingdom. That many of God is saying, man, you would love that. You, you, that would be awesome. You would have fun with that. But for you, I'm asking you to have the grace to say no to that so that dot, dot, dot kingdom. And that's one of the reasons when you read Default Christianity, we encourage you all, if you have not had that book, we want to give it to you. Go ahead and get the book because that's our whole point. Is a kingdom first mentality. And so with these guys, this is what he's saying to baby Christians. He's saying, hey, I want you to understand. Oh, I'm, and let, me, let me get to my point about that. When I, I feel like with our, our local churches, we have to, in our small groups, and I'm seeing this because I've been broken in our small group, I'm realizing that people are, it's hard for them to identify with us because if we are coming from, can I just, we're coming from a, a social, you know, epsilon is here, you know, where you got jobs and education and stuff. And then your struggles look kind of like puny compared to people's struggles in some of the cultural contexts that we're in. And your struggles look puny, to be honest, to people who have same gender attraction, right? They're talking about, man, I have something that's in me that feels kind of natural. And you're talking about, well, I just, I, I, you know, I, I roll my eyes at my wife. I just want to propose to you that provides, uh, that, I feel like what happens is the plausibility of that, the plausibility structure that it's hard for people to identify if they don't see you struggling just like they are. Now, here's my point. My point is that not to make up struggles. My point is to be honest with the struggles. My point is that we all got idols. My point is that you just worship your job, but you can hide that. You worship money, but you can hide that. You worship lust with, same, with, with, with different genders, but you can hide that. Right. And so then you got the individual in there who has more of the external joints. Right. Struggling with alcoholism, you know, struggling with this laziness. Right. Don't want to be a productive member of society, struggling with sexual issues that are more external. And they're in there and they can't hide it. You know, if I'm a crack addict, if I'm a heroin addict, it's hard to hide that. No, if I don't have a job, I don't have resources. It's hard to hide that. If I find myself struggling and not understanding what I'm going to get, where I'm going to get it from, it's hard to hide that. And so I come in and I can't hide it. So I got to talk about it. So I got to say, yep, here's my issue. Because <laughs> you see it already. 
And then you get me, a couple degrees, masters, blah, 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 money, the whole nine. And I sit in there and I sit, I sit there and I basically, without saying anything, show that I don't relate to you. You see how it's hard for people to enter into that community? Here's what I'm saying. We don't need to make up nothing, family. I'm not asking us to make up anything. I am asking us to have a robust vulnerability where we look at our lives and we say, where are my idols? Where are my gods? And guess what? I'm asking you to cast yours down. I want you to ask me to cast mine down. And here's the issue. If we do that, I think, see, the the same gender attraction person, they understand the theology of unfulfillment. A person who has that struggle and is choosing Christ, they get that. Right? The person who has an alcohol addiction and chooses Christ, they get that. A person who's a nymphomaniac and chooses Christ, they get that. What's your addiction? What's your addiction? I want to propose to you, everyone in this room has them. So I don't think the issue here is doctrine. I think we've got to receive it. He gives a second piece. He says, hey, I want to strengthen you to say it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. You see me, I got beat down. You might get that too. You might die. It's going to be hard. But I also want to, I want to strengthen the church. That's one way. The other way I want to strengthen the church is I want to give you leadership. And he points elders into the local body, which I think is beautiful. He says, we've got we to gotta shore this thing up. I just love the context here that he sees it's so important for you and I to make sure that baby Christians have an opportunity to be mature. To grow in the Lord, guys. Um, he ends by saying this, guys. Look at what it says in verse 24. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, um, right, which you see is a little area um, on the coast. And when they had preached the word in Perga, uh, they went down to Italia. It says... And, and notice, I want to say, um, uh, as you think of 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 is an address you might want to put down. I think, it, is it up here? Yeah. I love this sense. When you look at what he's doing in the text here, he's telling you where he went. And, and I just love the sense of, it says, for if I preach the gospel that gives me no ground, it, it reminds me of the scripture, uh, for boasting, uh, no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This kind of concept. I'm just like, this is Paul's mind, right? And I just think, uh, man, a lot of times in my life, um, I feel like I can try to put myself, get myself off the hook from doing what I just need to be doing, no matter if my, my, my emotions are in it or not. And I just feel like that, that, that posture there is a sense of like, he's like, look, I love Jesus. That's my dude, ride or die. But guess what? Even if, even if I feel like, man, I'm, I'm tired, I don't want to do this, what else am I going to do? I get that fair? That's the posture. The posture is I got to preach Christ. I want to propose to you that, 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 that unresolved posture of like, dude, this is what I've been asked to do. I'm going to do it because he's my king. Allows us to get through the lows, ups and the highs, right? Goes on and says in verse 26, from Italia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the, uh, to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. This ends by saying, man, yeah, we, we've done God's work. I mean, he comes back. It's been a year or two. You imagine? He goes back to the people, Antioch, headquarters. We just saw his journey. We have a snapshot. There's more that happened. He's beat up, beat down. I'm sure they're not as, they ain't been eating like, you know, four-course meals, probably a little thinner. 
right? I mean, you imagine these guys are frail, jacked up. They see these people. I mean, they're so excited to see Paul. It says in verse 27, on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how it had opened, how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there for a long time with the disciples. I just love Paul and them. These guys have worked hard for Jesus. And then they just give all the glory to Jesus. I love the context there. It says, and they just talked about all that God had did. Look what God did, you know. I mean, God saved us when I was, they thought I was dead. Even though, remember, you guys thought I was dead too, you know, and. But God, God saved us and he kept, people kept coming to Christ. And there's a lot of Gentiles who know Jesus now. And wow, look at the Lord. And we, we were able to go back and we didn't even get beat up again. And man, that was amazing. We took a risk. We were scared, but man, God protected us and give Jesus the credit. And I think at this point, when they come back, this is where um, theologians believe. And I agree that this is when he wrote Galatians. You know, what's interesting. Galatians, I love that book, right? What's, what's, the, what's the biggest tenor of Galatians? Grace, right? You see, you see the sense of him just making it clear that, hey, God has made two people one, right? That's one of the biggies. See, I lo- think about it. It's history, right? What did he go through? That's what he's been going through. You see how the Holy Spirit uses even us to bring about his glory? I don't think he was just in a trance and he started writing this He was like, man, I want to write to these guys. Let me just tell them what I've seen is, man, God took two people and he's making them one. Make sure you protect that. And God did all this by his grace, right? Here's the true gospel. And that's basically the context of the book. So family, as we look at what God has done uh, through our brother, I just have this one question as I think of application uh, that I want to ask you is this, how can we as a body be persistent, just fueled by grace? Um, what does it look like for each one of us uh, to, to take a, a, a stand out in our community and to say, man, Lord, I want to meditate on these scriptures, spend time talking about them in the Mac group, really wrestle with this whole concept of like unfulfillment. Like, do I, do I, have I, have I lamented the fact that in Christ, you know, I'm probably, I, I don't know, maybe some of us will get ours. And that's the thing. Some people are going to be blessed on this side of heaven and the next, right? So that's the thing. All this is, is under the umbrella of grace. There is no cookie-cutter way. I'm not telling you what you have to do. What I am saying is that we all need to be asking the Lord, what's my idol? All right? And I pray, Lord, I, I'm asking you, would you consider as a local body, and let's go out, let's invite people, let's ask the Lord to just give us, um, like we saw at Harvest Party, you can't, you can't manipulate that. I mean, what, it's hundreds of people. Let's ask God to do a work. Give, give us a passion to make him known, to brag about Jesus in his local body. Ask him to come out here and see the covenant community. See the awesome women of God that we have in this local body. See the awesome men of God, what you guys are doing how you guys are trying to stand firm and love your wives and kids and be a gospel expression here. Like see our, our, our young and our, our single men and women who are fighting a fight in faith in our community and serving like crazy and caring for us. Let's brag about the Lord and let's just ask God to give us a, man, let's be like Paul, just preaching the gospel, okay? I believe the Lord, that Lord, by God's grace, He can allow us to see hundreds upon hundreds of people hearing the gospel weekly in our community. I believe God for that. I want you to believe the Lord with me. Hundreds upon hundreds weekly experiencing the evidence of God's grace in our community. 
Will you pray toward that end with me, guys? All right? Pray with me. Lord, thank you for the model of, of Paul, Barnabas, and all those before us who gave their life and said, Lord, whatever you want to do, you want to take it now or later, I, I want to be faithful. Lord, would you give us that kind of persistence, that kind of perseverance? Would you continue to teach us about what does it look like to really forsake all for the gospel? That, and that just so clearly means that some things we're going to want and we intentionally don't get because of the greater good. I pray for that, Lord. Lord, I am the main one in this room who does not want to pray that prayer. I do not want to forsake my desires. I struggle with wanting to have stuff, and I pray you would give me a healthy perspective. I pray there wouldn't be one pharisaical expression of that in this room, that no one would say, okay, so now I can't do anything good and it makes me laugh. I pray you would just help us work through what that looks like practically in our lives where we're experiencing your grace the Lord, that your grace would give us the strength to do hard things, to recognize idols and cast them down. Well, I pray we would be a body where different people with huge struggles uh, that historically have been looked upon as like, wow, that's really big. I pray they would be able to enter into this local body and be a part of this local body and be enjoyed and cared for because they see everybody else is just as jacked up. I pray for that, Lord. Be exalted, Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. Take uh, time of communion, guys, as you know.